Today we're going to talk about um, Psalm 66. And as we go through this series about the psalmist and his posture when he writes these songs and writes these ballads and writes these poems, what is his posture while we're seeing, um, while we're reading what he has written? And today it's going to be about um, Psalm 66. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. I'll also have it up on the screen too. And Psalm 66, you know what Psalm 66 is about? It's about show and tell. We see the psalmist write about God talk about God, talk about his deeds, talk about who he is, and he's telling the world through his writing about God. And it's show and tell. So who remembers show and tell? Does anybody? Do you remember it? Oh, awesome. A lot of people. Okay, really, honestly, keep your hands up. Do you remember show and tell? Okay, that's awesome. Who remembers any items that they brought to show and tell? Yeah, isn't that funny? I was asking Scott Sterling about it, who's on our leadership team, and he goes, well, I'm sure it was important to me when I was five, <laughs> but he has no idea anymore. So I started researching and asking, researching, I started asking people to tell me about their show and tell experience. What was that like? Sometimes in, in school today, they don't call it show and tell, they call it star of the week. Is that true? Do they have star of the week for your kids in school? Star kid would be a way to say it. So it's like about you for the whole week, but... For show and tell, it's just about you for that moment. So I started asking around, and I asked um, our ladies in our life group, and I asked um, the ladies that I work with, and started asking people, and and the majority of my answers at first were, I hated it. I hated getting up in front of people. I didn't like that I had to bring something. What if it was stupid and nobody liked it, which translates nobody likes me, and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and then it comes along, and there's always one that breaks the, breaks the average, and I asked Mark Spencer. And he's like, I loved it. I loved show and tell. I thought it was so cool. I was always so excited about it. And this is what he says which I've not asked him permission to say this, but I'm going to do it anyways. And he says, but you know what I really liked? I liked seeing everybody else's thing. I'm like, who says that? I mean, show and tell is about what I brought and how cool my thing is, you know, and Mark's, but he's all concerned about what everyone else brought. So then there's another one that broke the average, and that was Scott. I asked my husband, Scott, and he goes, oh, yeah, I remember one time I brought turtle shells because we grew up going to the lake, and so we would catch snapping turtles, and we would eat them, and so we would end up with these shells left over. So he would bring the turtle shells, and he had two turtle shells once, and all of a sudden the kids picked them up and put them on their head and were running around the classroom with them, and... Another thing we did at the lake is we would um, catch frogs. Um, last service I said we caught frog legs, and Sue Baumgartner quickly pointed out we, just caught, we caught frogs, but then we butchered them and put the legs in the pan, and we ate the frog legs. And Scott saved the bones from the frog legs and brought them to show and tell. <laughs> I think one time, too, he brought some of his teeth. You know, when your teeth fall out and you save them. I mean, these are cool things, aren't they? (laughs) So I'm giving your kids a lot of great ideas. (laughs) So the posture of the psalmist today is that, is let's show and tell what we got. And he starts out in verse 1 by saying this. Boys, how about I turn this on? So this is show and tell picture. So this is what he says. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him 
glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Right out of the gates, this psalmist draws his reader or the singer of this psalm to God. Look. Look at God. Look at who he is. Let's sing him praises. Let's tell him about how good he is. Let's worship him, really, is what they're saying. It's the first thing the psalmist does right out of the gates, directing the focus to God. And then he goes on to say this, Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. You can hear the rhythm, even though it's in English. I'm sure in the original Hebrew there was a rhythm to this and a, and a, a, a rhythm of grace that just keeps renouncing, or not renouncing, announcing over and over and over who God is. But there's something to notice in, in these verses 5 through 7, and it's this. It's the posture of the psalmist towards another come and see what God has done he is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man the posture of the psalmist is here and he says look at what he's done for the people look at what he's done in all the earth look at what he's done they pass through the river on foot and I think that's important to notice because as we go through this psalm we're going to see that psalmist's posture shift we're going to see it move from here to a different place so pay, let's pay attention to that, and that's something that, that we need to notice. And I think one of the things about Psalm 66 is that one of the things we can take away is something that's modeled for us. It's going to be a model of show and tell. It's going to be a model for us of how we can show and tell about God in our life. And so as learners, and as we want to learn from what we're doing in our series in the Psalms, I brought show and tell today. Because I thought, well, we might as well try this. So here's what I want to tell you about my show and tell. This is my show and tell. Can you guys see? You can stand up. Kids, if you even need to come up and look around or whatever, stand on your chair if your parents say it's okay. Um, So this is my show and tell that I brought today. It's a rock. And I want to give God the glory for this rock because God created rocks. He created all things. So here's my rock, it's my show and tell. Isn't it cool? Because God created it. It's really cool. Let's look at what the psalmist does next. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. There are two things to notice here. One is... The psalmist uses the word soul. You know what our soul is? It's the core of our being. It's what lives on forever within us. It's the place where God dwells with us and will always dwell with us as believers throughout all eternity. The soul is a core place. Um, Let's see. George MacDonald says, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. The soul is your being. It's who you are. 
It's part of every human being. We all have it in common. So when the soul is impacted, the inner core of who we are is affected. It's what deep calls unto deep. When, when Joni has something that she says and it resonates with my soul, we know it and experience it on a different level than if we just hear the facts. So that's one thing to notice. The posture of the psalmist shifts to that. And then we notice this. His language shifts. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. Do you see the shift? Do you see what he did? He went from the children of man, the nations, they out there to our. Now he's inclusive. He's including a group with him. His posture has shifted and his attention has shifted. His message has shifted even a little bit. This is what he's done for us. This is what he's done for us. So if I'm going to use this as an example and, my, and for me and my show and tell, then I want to redo this because the first time it seemed kind of a little dry. Not, it didn't really affect our souls very much. So here's some more facts. This rock was on the land that I grew up on. I never remember it not being there. It was always there. And when my parents had both passed away and it was time to sell the house, I took this rock. I took it before it was sold, though. When, my, when we had to sell the lake place up at, up at the lake, it was my mom's, I, we sold it. And then I'm like, oh, I want some of her beautiful tulips. So I went back and took some tulips. That's illegal. You're not supposed to do that. So I just want to make make sure. I I had to go put them flowers back. So this I took before the house was sold. I knew better. I learned. But it it was just something, as long as I can remember, it was always been there. Always been there. So it has a little more personality, a little more, you know a little bit more about it. Then watch what the psalmist does. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. As part of being a follower of Christ, testing's part of the journey. It's really part of the journey. It's the part that refines us. It's the part that purifies us and strengthens us. And what we see the psalmist do with this is he draws our attention to God. He puts it in the middle of this psalm where he's giving God all the credit. He's even giving God credit for the goodness of the trial. He says, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. And again, our attention is drawn to God, not to the trial. And what's the psalmist's response to trial? It's this, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. The psalmist's response to trials is offering up what he has. He's sacrificing what he has to value. 
it's interesting to me that this is in the middle of a psalm of, of showing and telling how great God is. I think it plays directly into what we want to learn about the posture of the psalmist. And I think there's something for us to learn in this, um, this response of offering and sacrifice. Laying down our agenda, our timeline, and offering to God for his glory. I don't know about you guys, but it's something I can grow in. Something I don't have down all the way. And I would like to keep growing in it. Then watch what the psalmist does. Come and hear all who you all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. <laughs> Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what, is he, what he has done for my soul. Can you see it? Can you see the last shift that the psalmist makes? Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul soul. When we get to the place that we can tell people about what God has done for our soul, that's where kingdom advancement happens. That's where transformation happens. That's where soul-to-soul connection happens. And we see the psalmist take that posture right here, right now. Let me tell you what he's done for my soul. Let me tell you what he's done for the innermost core of my being, of who I am. And he uses this I language and we see the psalmist do this spiraling where he starts at, that's them. Let me tell you what he's done for them. Let's remind each other and ourselves what he's done for us. And he keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper to a more and more personal place. And then he gets to the place and he says, now let me tell you what he's done for my soul. It's the most intimate, most vulnerable. Sometimes it feels like the most riskiest place to share from. But the psalmist has modeled it for us here. It's where transformation happens. It's where we get to show and tell of God's character. Not just something great he's done, which I don't even want to put the word just in there. But it, you tell what great deeds he's done. But, you, but to couple that and marry that with what he's done for your soul, now you've got a really good show and tell. The enemy would have us not do this. (laughs) He would have us not give God credit for anything. He would have us think, um, like those who don't like show and tell, you should be afraid of what other people will think. What if you talk about God too much? Will they think you're a Jesus freak? Will they dismiss God? Will you do more harm for the kingdom than good? You, you know the, the little self-tapes that we play. There's all kinds of reasons. But the enemy would want to stop us from declaring God's glory in these things and in our lives. So I have a story to tell about Scott, which I have complete permission to tell. And last Saturday we were talking about it again. And the story goes like this. He says uh, one day uh, he was in his morning quiet time, which is really super early in the morning, so I'm never there. And um, he was having his quiet time, and he felt like the Lord had said to him, I'm going to surprise you today. I'm going I'm to give you a surprise today. We're going to have fun. 
So all day, Scott's like kind of, you know, he's an electrician, so he's on a construction site. So think dirt. Think the guys you see on the side of the road with the hard hats and the yellow vests on so they don't get hit by a car and boots. And think that because that's where he works, out in the dust and the dirt and the hot sun. And he's thinking about God. What are we going to, what am I going to, what is he going to do for me today? How is he going to surprise me today? And a few things happen throughout the day and he thinks, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I could give God credit for that. That's pretty cool. But it just didn't have that resounding, I'm going to surprise you today and we're going to have fun. And in the meantime, he's overseeing like five different crews of guys and he's the general foreman on the job. And so his job is to get them whatever they need to do their job. And one of the guys says, well, we need a bucket to put in the bucket truck so when we go up high, we can, put up, we can have our stuff with us. So Scott was looking for a bucket to put in the bucket truck so that when they go up high, they can get access to their stuff. And he's cleaning out this bucket, and all of a sudden, he sees a bunch of keys. And he's like, oh, okay. And he you know, puts them in his pocket, cleans out the bucket, gives it to the guys, a little bit later, he pulls out the keys. Do you guys know what kind of keys I'm talking about? They're like this. Have you ever seen these? They open up everything in construction. They open up the cabinets for the street lights if you want to adjust how the street lights are changing, if they're, if they're changing at a good pace. So if you have a street that you're always going through and the light's never green for you, talk to Scott. Maybe he can adjust that for you. <laughs> and they open, whatever has a lock on it, this is the kind of key that they have for it. And so that's the kind of key that is on this little ring thing. And, he, and then he looks at it. These keys have four digits on them, a combination of letters and numbers. And he looks at it, and the number on it is 0536. And at that moment, he just, he told me, he said, well, God blew my mind. He said, he blew my mind. And I said, okay, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be with him in this. And he's told me, he said, every key up at the cabin that my dad put a lock on was an 0536. And he pulled out his key ring, and on his key ring was an 0536 that was 50 years old, and it was so worn, it almost couldn't work anymore. And here he had two brand new ones on a key ring. And he said, I, I don't even hardly have words when he was telling me the story. He says, I don't even hardly have words because I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it was two oh five three sixes. And so, you know, I'm thinking about this story. And, I, and then, so I look up and I, and I Google because I don't do math. And I Google what's the probability of having an 0536 with all the different combinations. And if you have four spots and they, there's a, you can have letters or numbers, there's 36 options in each of the four spots. And Google says that's one in 1,679,616 different combinations of this kind of key. See, right now something's happening to my soul. Because something's resonating with that's the God we serve. It was an amazing story. 
So last Saturday, Scott and I had some time to just be together on Saturday morning. I was doing my morning devotions, and and Scott was uh, doing his, and I was reading out of John chapter 12, and then we read our our devotion together and had coffee and said, let's go see mom. Let's go up to the lake and, and see mom. I said, that would be great. Let's do that. And this is what I read that morning out of John chapter 12. It's a series where it's in um, a place where um, Jesus is talking about how he's going to die and be lifted up. The man, the son of man must be lifted up and glorified. It's the father's plan for him that the God, that father would be glorified. And he quotes Isaiah. And then he says these things. He says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. So that's why Isaiah wrote about Jesus. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and then John is writing about it. And what John writes about the Pharisees is he writes, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, believed in Jesus. Many of the authorities believed in Jesus, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So that they would not be put out of the synagogue. And verse 43 says this. And this is what took my breath away. For they, the Pharisees, loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Sometimes we have God's stories, but we don't give God the credit because we're not sure how it's going to be received. Sometimes we have God stories where we need to say, this is what God did in my life, but we don't say it that way. We sometimes just water it down. This is a really cool thing God did. Or this is something cool that happened in my life. So we're talking about this. Both Scott and I are like, whoo, that was a heavy hit. That's something worth doing some self-examination of. How do we really talk about what God has done in our lives? Do we give him credit when he needs credit? Are we in fear at all of not giving him credit because of what people will think? And how does that affect the kingdom of God and the advancement of the kingdom? So we go to the lake. And uh, Scott and I, uh, Scott comes from a Catholic family. We were married in a Catholic church. Um, When we first came to have a great relationship with the Lord, we were very excited and we told the whole family, all of them, all the time about Jesus. Well, over the last 30 years, that kind of, you know, fades a little bit. And I don't know about where you guys are at with your families, but sometimes when we're with family, we don't talk about God. It just, it's just not a topic that comes up for a lot of different reasons. So we're having dinner up at the lake and we're all sitting around together and there's Scott's brother-in-law, Jim, and his sister, Julie, who live right next door to mom, and then their kids and their grandkids and there's probably a dozen or people sitting around the table together. And all of a sudden, Scott says, I have a story to tell you. And I, you know, I wasn't really paying attention at first. And then he goes, a few weeks ago, in my devotional quiet time, God told me he was going to surprise me. He had my attention. I'm like, he's doing it. He's going to tell his God story in front of his whole family. 
And he began to talk about his story and he began to tell them about the keys. And he began to tell them about how he came upon them. And he began to tell them about how it was an 0536 and he couldn't believe it was an 0536. And how he kept talking to God throughout the day about, is this the surprise? Is this the surprise? No, that's not the surprise. And then he said, and then finally God gave me my surprise he said he would give me. What is Scott doing? He's showing and telling and giving testimony to his God. And they're listening. And, and so he places the keys down on the table. And Scott says, look at what God has done. He really has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? And brother-in-law Jim says, in agreement in agreement with the story, in agreement with Scott, and in agreement with God, yes, he does. I don't know if we can measure the impact, the kingdom impact of that kind of a testimony and that kind of a spirit-to-spirit agreement. How can we not show and tell? Well, of course, I know how we can't because we, we get intimidated and we get feared. So I'm, I'm thinking about all of this this week. And I'm like, okay. So let me show you and tell the, you about this in that light. In the way the psalmist would model it for us. When I grew up, I had a gravel driveway. And along the right side of the gravel driveway were three of these. My dad had put them there so that people wouldn't drive off the driveway onto the grass. Does anybody have rocks to prevent people from driving places? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but as a little girl, I didn't have a lot of happy memories. I remember starting soul care and I couldn't find them for probably about a year. I couldn't find a happy memory as a kid. But then one day this memory came. And um, there's three rocks in a row, and I remember standing on them. I remember jumping over them. I remember walking around them, doing, you know, like, like the crazy eight thing around three of them. And then I would change directions and go the other way. And then I would try and see if I could jump over two, you know. And I would spend time playing on these rocks. And the Lord revealed to me one day after I grew up and came to know him that I have a story about it. When I look at those rocks, it's a joyful memory. It's a great place to be. And what it says to my soul is God was with me. What it says to my soul is he's as solid as this rock, never moving, always there. What it says to my soul is he knew. He saw me. He knew. So when I take this rock and put it by my house, that's what I see when I look at this rock. That kind of a show and tell at that level of the soul is what brings transformation. It's what brings kingdom advancement. This is what the psalmist ends with. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. 
in 2008 when I started going through a lot of inner healing, I would read this Psalm 66 and in my devotional Bible, it's highlighted, circled with the date 2008 written next to it because I thought, I hope someday I can say that. I hope someday I can say, I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. Blessed be God because he's not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. The posture of the psalmist is something we can learn. It's something we can risk. When Scott and I were driving home after being at the lake, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. How was that? Were you afraid? Were you afraid to tell him that it was God that moved that way in your life? He goes, oh, I was scared to death. We're, you know, we're driving home and we're celebrating what he had done. It felt risky because you don't know if someone's going to make fun of you. But, I'm, but then you think about Jesus and you think about, can you imagine if someone, if he was worried if someone made fun of him? Let's just call somebody and say, I'm worried somebody's going to make fun of me. Okay, I'll be praying with you. But do it anyway. Do it anyway. We have no idea the impact that we can have. We're his design. We're God's design for advancing his kingdom. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful design. So look and see and then acknowledge and and tell how God has impacted you. Here's the admonition I think from this psalm psalmist today is show and tell it from your soul. Show and tell it from your soul. Somebody needs to hear it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us this example in the Psalms. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of boldness and power. And I pray that for us now, that you would move us one step closer to the center of boldness and power. And when you call upon us to give testimony to who you are and what you've done in our lives from our soul, that we would move ahead and say yes that we would offer it up, we'd sacrifice it, we'd offer it up to you and say, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Thank you, God, that you're that good, that there's so many things to say about you. Lord, I pray for anyone here that if they're waiting for that testimony to come, would you bring revelation of it this week? Would you let them see where you were in their life? Let them see where you moved in their life and give them somebody with ears to hear it. Lord, I pray over our offering today in the journey of wherever it goes and whoever it meets, I pray that you would be glorified and you would get the credit. In Jesus' name, amen.